Hi, welcome to Talk About the Passion. I'm your host, Christian Campagna. Today's episode is the 47th episode, and it's a conversation with my friend Jeff Morris. I've known Jeff since the mid or late 80s. He was one of the original members of the Bruisers as their guitarist, and like a lot of people I've had on this podcast, someone I, I always ran into at shows around Boston, as well as during my stint at Rocket Records in beautiful Saugus, Mass. I've started unofficially calling these one-on-one episodes origin stories, and uh, Jeff's story starts in Newburyport, Mass. We go through his younger years, discovering different types of music, going to hardcore shows, and end with the Bruisers uh, doing a couple of shows this November in 2019. On a side note, uh, Jeff briefly talks about a festival called the Sounds uh, Sound of Revolution Festival, also in November. Uh, the Bruisers were scheduled to play, but they're not. And uh, there's a, a explanation of that on uh, if you look on the Bruisers uh, social media. When I think of uh, records that bring me back to a certain period in my life, and still hold up to this day, uh, the Bruisers uh, "Cruising for a Bruising" is definitely one of those. Uh, it was released, you know, a few years after I was shaving my head and wearing boots and braces. But but the whole record sort of feels like that part of my life, and uh, I can still listen to it today and get that same feeling, you know. It's a perfect mix of, you know, punk rock and rock and roll that's just catchy as hell and memorable from uh, start to finish. I try to never fanboy out over people I have on the podcast, especially if I know them anyway. Uh, But this record is definitely one of my favorites. So, yeah. A couple more things and then I'll shut up. Uh, You can follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Talk About the Passion Podcast. You can listen to this podcast on all platforms like Apple Music, Podbean, and even Spotify now. If you or someone you know would like to be on an episode of this, please reach out and we can set something up. I'm always looking to do these origin stories, but also if you have an idea you want to talk about here, I'm up for that as well. I'm planning a uh, an Iron Maiden episode soon uh, with a past guest, so that should be cool. Anyway, let's get this started. Episode 47, Till the End with Jeff Morris. Thanks for listening. So I am here with Jeff Morris. Well, he's in. You're in Chicago, or just Illinois, or, or where? Yeah, well, it's it. I'm in the Northwest burbs. It's yeah. like saying, you know, uh, if you live in Saugus and saying yeah. you're from Boston, you know. <laughs> okay, yeah, the Saugus of uh, Chicago. <laughs> it's better than that, but yeah, okay. <laughs> Mile <Yeah>. wise. <laughs> and you and I have known each other since probably the mid '80s or late '80s. Uh. Uh, at yeah. least at at the very latest 88 yeah 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 uh i was a north shore you know punk rock hardcore kid or whatever and uh and then at one point we started moving sort of north <laughs> to hang out with yep. kids from beverly and salem beverly farms and then we got up to newburyport and there was a, a small scene up there and uh, i think that's that's probably where we met were, were, were you in that band npd were yeah that was you? uh NPD was well. Um, it was the evolution of of two or three bands that I had started before. Then I had a yeah. band with the same guys called Psychotic Youth, okay. and then we realized there was a band from like Sweden called that, so right. we changed the name to Suburban Massacre. Oh, okay. And uh, and then that let that was a bad idea, so right. we went with NPD, which became probably when we met. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you. So you grew up in uh, Newburyport. 
Yeah, that's where I'm from. Okay, cool. And uh, getting into music up there, and how, how did you do that in that in that area? Ah, uh, well, getting into music. I mean, it, it depends on where you, what we want to start with. I mean, if you want to talk about music in general, I think the first time I became sort of passionate about anything was probably like sixth grade when we had what we called Spark, which was. Mm-hmm sort of a free period in school and some kid glenn brought a, a tape of Jimi hendrix smash hits on his boombox, and i was just fucking amazed I, I mean literally it was it was an epiphany for me yeah and uh two years later uh it was actually kind of funny i'm up at marcus hill and new report mm-hmm. you know doing the stuff that you do in the woods and uh it was sort of like that you know uh what the fuck was that movie in the 80s? Uh, the Gods Must Be Crazy or whatever, when the oh, Coke yeah, bottle the Coke falls bottle. out of the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so out of nowhere, I'm up there, you know, going through, you know, you know, finding, like, used porn mags and stuff, and all of a sudden I come up with a this guitar neck. Right. Why is there a guitar neck in the middle of the woods, you know? So yeah. I take that home, of course, uh, and I went to Woodshop, and I built the body for it, and I, uh, I think I bought a, a bridge down at the record store. Mm-hmm. Um, and made myself my first guitar and it had literally like, uh, uh, plastic, you know, uh, formica fake pickups that didn't really work, but I mean, it's, I strung it up and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So I did that and, um, yeah, we could probably skip the rest, but I mean, I think, (laughs) you know, I was friends with a bunch of skater guys. I, every, everyone was into like the VHS tapes of, of the California punk bands and, yeah. and, and guys ripping it up. And, yeah. and at some point there was probably like gang green was on one of the tapes right. and somebody had a subscription to a zine, probably Al Quince or something. And right. we, we found out there was a club in Boston called, you know, the rat or right. the channel or something like that. And yeah. went in to see this band called gang green and, and, uh, like holy shit! Like wow! <laughs> yeah, this is amazing. Yeah. You know, and was that, that was that was that was probably the the first punk band I saw was probably Gang Green. I'm guessing it was the Channel. I yeah. think it was the Channel. Probably like '86, '87, right. maybe. Right. Probably '86. Yeah. And were you, were you into like bigger? Like was, was was did you see big concerts before that when you were younger? <sighs> you know my. I didn't really know. I mean, mm. I, I think I think I saw like Bo Diddley at my high school auditorium. Oh, nice. Which was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, the first concert per se was, well, not a concert, but sh- backyard party. There's yeah. there's a guy in your report who doesn't get enough credit. Um, this guy's named Chris Sotel. He's a yeah. friend of mine, mm-hmm. very good friend of mine. He through a backyard party i'm going to say it was 85 86 and all the guys from portsmouth and dover specifically yeah. dover actually came down so the bands that played that night were the murderers vfw oh, nice. and five balls of power you know yeah. some of those bands ended up on like mystic sampler cops yeah, and stuff yeah. like that yeah. um but so that's how i met those guys and we're all you know dancing in in the backyard and getting dirty and stuff right and I remember uh, Joel Mole, who played guitar for VFW, later on played with the Queers and yeah. some other bands. Um, met him that night. Uh, Statue of Limitations is, may still apply, so I'll stop there uh, <laughs> on what might or might not have happened with the vodka bottle and a jock's head. Uh, so that's where I was introduced to those guys who then, you know, when we made NPD, 
you know, I'm still this metalhead. I, I mean, I, I sort of skipped that part, but I was, yeah. as a young high, high school kid, I was going to like, you know, Motley Crue. Uh, oh yeah, you were talking about that on, on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. Motley Crue at the Worcester Worcester Centrum, right. or Manning Bowl in Lynn with Accept and Y and T, and you know Iron Maiden, Judas Priest. You yeah. know all the greats, all the 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 really easy accessible metal yeah. bands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was doing that stuff, and when I remember when I started going to the channel and and. Uh, Probably the first time I saw Slapshot was like at Brandeis. Oh yeah, I think it was Brandeis or Brandeis or uh, or Tufts maybe right. one or the other. They they opened for Circle Jerks and oh yeah yeah Moving Targets opened the show. Yeah, I remember Ken Chambers saying something like, "Hey, thanks to Steve Ristein for letting me borrow his Marshall." Right. Blah blah blah. And I was really into the Moving Targets. Yeah. I hadn't seen them before. It was my first time. Yeah. And I went and bought the tape. They're uh, you know, burning in water tape from him afterwards. Yeah. And uh, I tried to be cool. You know, I was a kid. I'm like, hey, uh, yeah, you guys really remind me of uh, like that band Husker Du. You know Husker Du? You know who they are? Yeah. And Ken kind of like, he was nice. He, right. he was like, yeah, that that's great. But, you know, you should probably try to check out like, I don't know, Mission <laughs> Mission of Burma. Right. And and I, I, I'm still not into them. The Mission of, Mission of Burma is kind of like, Smiths to me. I don't yeah, know. It's one of those never, never one of those bands that you know that did some good stuff, but it's like, yeah, I'm all set. Yeah, um, past, but uh, I don't know where I was going with all this. Where, uh, where were we? Um, talking about um, the, for, the seeing the circle jerks and st- oh, Steve Ristine borrowing. Oh yeah, Ken, Ken Chambers borrowing Steve's amp. Yeah, there was a uh, oh. a black dude at that show that jumped off the PA and like they had to bring the EMTs in because he was out. Yeah. How, I mean, he might have broke his spine. I have no idea. He got right. really fucked up. Huh. Um, so the funny thing was, so I had this Bundeswehr jacket that I had uh, hand-painted slap shot with a cross hockey sticks on the back and this huge jacket. Nice. And I'm standing there, and I had a hood on. Right. And the great thing was slap shot comes out. Like at that time, I had finally – I had I probably bought back on the map, and I was cranking it at home. Mm-hmm. And so slap shot comes out, and they – memory tells me there were a hundred, but there was probably like 15 skinheads standing on the stage with their backs to the audience. (laughs) And they start in with the back on the map thing, which if you can picture it in your head, I think is probably just like Mark on the hi hat. Right. And a little bit of muted chords, maybe a little bit of bass. Right. Before it goes crazy. And as soon as the drums go, right. Everyone turns around and, and stage dives and they went ape shit and i was that was it i was sold yeah, yeah. i'm like i'm in yeah uh, whatever but the funny thing was so this guy comes up behind me i don't know who he was uh skinhead kid in their crew and he taps me on the shoulder and he goes hey man that jacket and he pulled me around i turned and i, I like i said i had a fucking big mullet right and uh he goes you got hair I'll see you in the pit. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I'm that like, sounds like a scene out of that suburbia movie or some shit. Oh, it was—it was exactly that. It was—it right. was like that girl getting her dress ripped off, right. except it was my yeah. jacket. Right. But uh, <laughs> but actually, that that had happened before Slapshot set. But right. um, I didn't see him in the pit. He right. was not to be found, or right. maybe I wasn't. But right. um, yeah, that was that was sort of my holy shit yeah. moment. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And that was when, and I think I feel like this has been a theme on a lot of episodes when 
you know, it's kind of almost like a cliche, but when the, you know, that the hardcore scene was actually kind of, you know, dangerous, a different kind of dangerous than other eras of it. Um, but there was just that feel, you know, it, it, it was addictive, you know, you wanted, you just wanted something fucked up to happen, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, and, you know, I guess if you, if you were some like Lower East Side, uh, street urchin, right. That wouldn't have been a big deal to you. Right, like, right. yeah, you, you yeah. can get that anywhere. Right. Yeah, yeah. But where I'm from, uh, I had, I had, I had a really kind of a weird sense because on the one hand I was, I was an athlete. Right. Uh, but on the other hand, I was a guitar player and I wanted to play music yeah. and, you know, I was the kid that was wearing slap, uh, not slap shot, but like, uh, uh, Sex Pistols T-shirts to, to high school and, right. and being being told I had to turn it inside out, yeah, crap yeah. like that, right. stupid stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when I went to that, I remember that that show. Maybe a few others I could probably think of um, where it was like, yeah, I could get my ass kicked. In fact, I think I'm probably going to. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Uh, I'm not a I'm not a big tough guy, but right. I can take a punch. But this is going to be fucking fun. Either yeah, way, yeah. I'm going to enjoy this. Right, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, actually going in the pit then was because I was never right. a fighter. I was never a fighting person. I never, I never really got into that. And uh, but I did like to, you know, go in the pit and just do that. That was, was yeah. Fun. And 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 the other thing was like, uh, I think I mentioned to you before. You know, there's not very much separation sometimes between like the sneaker skins and the jocks. You know, they yeah. were oh yeah, definitely pretty much cut from the same bolt of cloth. And, yeah, yeah. And I didn't want anything to do with that. When yeah. I decided I wanted to do it, I went in with both feet or yeah. both size 14 docks, right. you know, and, and we were trying to be trad yeah, and yeah, yeah. I don't want nothing to do with that. Uh, you know, tuck your pants into your high tops and, <laughs> and champion sweatshirt yeah, stuff great, until yeah. I heard Warzone. Right, yeah. 1989, yeah, Warzone yeah. came up to the rat. Yeah. And here I am, you know, 14 docks, yeah. uh, white Fred Perry, red braces, and we're standing there before Warzone played. Um, Rabies walks out. He's got his 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 hoodie pulled down way way low. You can't even see his eyeballs. Right. And he's just walking around the crowd. Yeah. You know, chin to chin. We're just right. stopping in front of guys like me, like yeah. chin to chin, just like challenging Sizing us. Like, are you guys going to bring it? Right. Because like, I'm going to bring it. Are you going to fucking answer the call or not? Yeah. And when that show started, I mean, holy crap, that was insane. Yeah. And that's when I earned some, res- I earned, didn't earn, I, I became mindful of the fact that, yeah, these guys, you know, these lower side guys, they got a different aesthetic. Yeah. You know, th- and they're mixing with like the run DMZ people. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it was really cool. And, and I realized like, yeah, yeah it's not just, uh, they're not just like jocks. They're right. actually street kids. Yeah. But they're just, different street kids yeah, yeah. so that it was it, i i kind of that opened my eyes a little bit yeah yeah i think the first time i saw agnostic front was they came here and played the it was like a ywca and there was a big fight and but those guys were and, and even when i f- bought that first record i mean they were legitimately scary looking guys i'm <laughs> thinking like well these new york you know because i was used to DC which tour was that to, uh it was it was one of the first times <coughs> excuse me it was one of the first times they came here um it, it must have, it must have been early on i think it was around victim and pain i think because it was oh around, shit i, I wish was, i w- i wish i could have seen him but i think it was 84 it was like my first year of, of going oh, wow. to shows and I, you know i was 14 and and uh, that was 
Yeah, it was a scary. Uh, yeah, I, I I was at the Centrum watching Aerosmith and Dawkins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was probably doing that as well. <laughs> you know, going to see Triumph and shit like that. But I never saw Triumph, but yeah. I love that band. Well, yeah. I, I like I like the band. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, they they were they were pretty good. But yeah, coming from you know Newburyport, and I I lived in Swampscott, so yeah, it was. Uh, it was cool. Hey, did you know? Since you mentioned Swampscott, remember yeah. uh, remember Sharky and Eric and those guys? Yeah, yeah, yep. They they were part of our yeah. early NPD days. Yeah, yeah. Um, Eric uh, Washburn. Oh Christ, no, I don't uh, know. Yeah, Eric Washburn from Beverly, but Shar- yeah, oh. Sharky with the with the, with the uh, that was Tom with the with the yeah yeah exactly. The, uh, yeah, Tom was a good friend of mine. He was on the. Uh, did he go in the Marines and he went to, went over to Desert Storm? He went to the Army. I don't know if he went to Desert Storm. I remember him telling... No, it was definitely him telling me yeah. that they they went over there and they had nothing to do. They were driving around in the fucking desert. Yeah. They wanted to shoot something. Right. So they finally just started shooting animals that they saw. <laughs> yeah, that sounds... <laughs> anyway, I guess I tracked. Yeah, yeah we, uh, yeah, we had fun, though. It was uh, that era of... Uh, of the scene, uh, I think was, yep. was was a good time. And uh, now you, so you had built that guitar early on, and we did you start actually pl- like taking guitar seriously after that? Like when you were, uh, when you I've I've yet to take guitar seriously actually. <laughs> um, no, I think that what the funny part was. So there was this punk in in my town called uh, named Dan Sheehan. Yeah. Uh, the Brits say called when you when you ask what someone's name is, they'll say called every time. <laughs> If you ask an American what someone, they'll say, oh, he's named such and such. That's right. just a peculiar thing. Yeah. I, I'm like that. Right. So this guy's named Dan Sheehan, um, old school punk, big mohawk. They live in the apartment behind me. And I'm in my backyard strumming my shitty homemade guitar. And he's sitting out there ripping butts. And he's like, hey, man, great axe. That thing looks killer. And I'm like, you know, my whole default setting since I was a little kid is, is this guy fucking with me? Is he making fun of me or is he mean it? Right. And uh, that pretty much informs every decision I've ever made. So, but I'm like, yeah, great. And I, I think in a weird way that kind of encouraged me. And I think for my birthday that year, I said to my mother, I got to get a guitar. Yeah. You know, so let's make this happen. So yeah. I, we went over to Amesbury Music Center, came home with an Aria Pro 2. Oh, nice. Yep. CS250 cost, I don't know, $79. Right. And a, and a battery-powered nine-volt amp that clipped onto my wa- to my belt. Right. And I drove the neighborhood fucking crazy with that. <laughs> I was cranking. Uh, there were a couple of records that I played to death trying to play along to. Yeah. Uh, Jimi Hendrix, Band of Gypsies was one. Nice. Um, Peter Frampton Comes Alive was another. Usually, do you feel like we do? Because he played right. really slow, and I could yeah. kind of figure it out. Right. Um, yeah, pretty much those two yeah. for years. And it wasn't for a long time that I realized how to tune my guitar. My friend Steve Fowler came over and he's like, you know, you're not doing that right. What do you mean? <laughs> I was probably 17 when right. I realized I, I was playing. I, I would tune two strings to each other and the, ne- the next two strings would be like down, you know, two whole notes or some bullshit. Right. Uh, so that was my start. And uh, from there, you know, got a couple other ones. Right, right. And then uh, so NPD was was uh a hardcore band right for, for yeah i mean we we non we tried to is that what it was uh depends on the day yeah. but yeah that ultimately that was probably the right one right. um 
And that was uh, Dan, who plays with the Bruisers. Yep. Dan Connors. Yep. He played drums. Uh, Scotty Davies, who formed the Bruisers with Al, yep. uh, was also our bass player. Later on, at the at the very end, Al Quint played bass for us oh, for yeah. for a, a yeah, cup of tea. Yeah. Um, yeah. We we were we were trying to be. Um, I don't know. Youth of Warzone, right. I guess. Yeah, yeah. And you know, we did get shows. We played. Yeah. We played with like Uniform Choice of the Rat. We oh, played yeah. with Slapshot over yeah. at Bun Ratties. Yeah. Um. Some shows up in Dover with those guys, like the Queers and, yeah. and Murderers and VFW and some of the aforementioned. Um. But yeah, ultimately that that was still going on when the Bruiser started and and. Scotty, who's he had a foot in both camps, said, "Hey, we need a guitar player." Yeah, they had tried out a few people, a girl who's uh, a great girl, but she didn't fit the bill, and another guy. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Yeah, I can do it." Yeah. And he looked at my guitar. I was playing a Charvel, yeah. uh, which is black on black, <laughs> very pointy headstock, and right. he's like, "Yeah, you're you're welcome to come to come play with us, but yeah, that fucking guitar is not happening." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And he was right, so I brought my Strat instead, nice. and that's the Strat that I played on the first, I think the first record. Nice. So you, so then you, the Bruises sort of became your full time gig at that point. Yeah, that was it. That, yeah. that became it. Nice. Did you guys record at? I think we, one of my old bands recorded with Bobcat. Did you ever? Did you guys ever record up there? We did. Uh, at, fir- at first, the first two records we did, or the, the seven inch, the Intimidation seven inch, and then the, the Independence Day tape, mm-hmm. we did at the Bunkhouse, which was an abandoned mattress factory in Portsmouth. Right. Uh, but then uh, my friend Tyler hooked us up. He was good friends with Bob. Right. And uh, we went over to Bobcats in Seabrook and recorded the American Night. Yeah. We recorded couple of singles there and then uh the up in flames record was recorded there too oh nice and he was a cool in, in, no go ahead sorry yeah go ahead no i was gonna say for anyone that knows uh doesn't know that uh, this guy bob was uh played in a rush cover band and he was the he was the getty lee right he was the oh bob bob still to this day he's very active he yeah. played he plays uh bass in a in a really popular very uh as far as i can tell uh money earning country band. Oh, does he? But oh, uh nice. yeah, if you walked into Bobcat though, the funny thing was on the back wall by the uh the, the uh well there was a back little booth back there. There was an album on the wall by Squadron. Do you remember that? No. Squadron oh, was, that like was his, his band. Early, yeah, his early yeah, band. yeah. In the seventies oh, yeah, yeah. he played in Squadron yeah, and go on Discogs and look up Squadron. I wish I could remember the name of the record. Yeah. They're all wearing silver I think they're wigs. I hope they're wigs and and red unitards. Oh, nice! Oh my God, it's hot. And, but actually, the music's good. Yeah. I, I checked them out on YouTube. It's good. Huh. And Bob, it's Bob Catalano. Bob yeah, is okay. is the most patient, easygoing, oh, yeah. yeah. fun loving guy. Yeah, I've never heard him raise his voice or had anything bad to say, even yeah. though he's had many many relationships with yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, same here. I remember just. But we recorded. Uh, Bruisers, at least a couple records there. Then yeah. later on, I recorded uh, with my other band after that. Oh, so nice. Cadillac Hitman. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, he, he's, yeah, he was patient, and I, and I remember thinking that like, is he gonna not? You know, because we're like a we were a punk rock band. I think I recorded there with I don't even remember which band it was, but uh, but yeah, he was very, and I was like, he <laughs> thinking like he must hate this, but you know, 
It was his job. I think, he enjoyed I, doing that. I, I think, think musically, because the thing, the thing is, he yeah, you're right. When you go back to, he had a band. I think it was Moving Pictures, yeah. and they did it. It was a, it was a Rush tribute act. Yeah. I mean, they had it down. They had like oh, yeah. a, yeah, I think he had a, a major uh, light show and the whole yeah, nine yeah. yards that they would bring out. Yeah. And you know, picture him covering Getty Lee's parts and singing <laughs> it perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Per- I mean, perfectly. Yeah. You know, doing the doing the bass pedals and yeah, the whole the thing. Pedal, yeah. Yeah. And this guy is a pro's pro yeah, yeah. and then we show up yeah. and we don't have a tuner you know like i'm practicing <laughs> for bruises songs right. i'm trying to like relearn these songs that i forgot 20 right. years ago right and oh, i yeah, so yeah. I, i'm like i cue them up on the on the on the thing and the thing i'm like wait a minute what the fuck are we doing drop d no it's not drop d <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's just yeah. yeah it's like drop fucking c sharp plus right. a few cents you right, know? Right, i don't yeah. know what the hell it was <laughs> Yeah, and uh, the the so with the Bruisers, um, you know, a lot of people say you you sort of started this street punk or you know American Oi and that kind of thing. With me, I always thought it was just good rock, like just rock. You know, you you I always thought you were just a great rock guitar player. And well, uh, thank you. There's yeah, a there's yeah. a, a bunch of different eras, though. I think yeah. it's you have to kind of segment it. Right. Um, right. I mean, when the band started, it was just, it was Scotty and Al's fingerprints. Right. I was literally showing up and, and they told me what to play. Right, right. Like on the first record, we did Anchors Up was the only song that we had a quote unquote so, a solo on. Right. And I remember playing, and Dan wasn't the drummer yet, but he was at practice mm-hmm. and Roger was our drummer. Yeah. And I played something, I think, let's just say it was an ad, no idea. Right. And, um, and I was up the neck, like above the 12th fret, and Dan just shook his head. Dan was a man of, still is a man of few words. Yeah. But he just shook his head and looked at his shoes, and I'm like, fuck, that sucked. <laughs> and, I, and then Scotty, you know, Scotty was like, yeah, that was that was nice. Yeah. You know, right. you know, what the fuck are you doing? That, that, that's not this band. So then I, 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 I was like, all right, so if I'm going to play a lead, I need to stay like between the first and the fifth fret. Yeah. And, and not wank as much as I want to. So I, that's what I did. Yeah. So that was the first era. That was very inspired by the Blitz. Yeah. Oh, yeah bands yeah, like yeah. bands like Blitz. Yeah. I mean, the, the Intimidation record was very informed by that. Yeah. Not just them, but right. you know, we could talk all day. But right. so then, uh, I started writing songs on the Independence Day record, mm-hmm. uh, which was the cassette that came out, and yeah. that 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 was probably for me. At the time, my biggest influence was the jam. Yeah, I was yeah. listening to the jam, nice. maybe not musically, but at right. least in terms of, I always thought the jam was an oi band that 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 never got painted with that terrible turn. Oh, right, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, Weller's like Man in the Corner Shop, you yeah, know, yeah. all those songs those were all right. about yeah. working working class, and it and it dovetailed perfectly with at the time I was really hardcore into like. Uh, George Orwell, not uh, the, yeah. the 1984 and Animal Farm stuff, but like the Keep the Expedistra Flying, oh, right. Coming Up for Air, yeah. where you have just these these tales of, you know, penury or, or middle class, barely existence, but right. yet they're you know they're going to keep that Expedistra in the window so the neighbors think they're making it, you right. know, got to yeah. keep up appearances and right. keep coming up, and that was to me what I was trying to write about, you know, and um, <clears throat> so then. I remember reading like that. The next one was uh, the first record we did at Bob's place was uh, American Night. Right. And I, I, it was a guy in Indiana had a zine. It was awful. I'm not even going to mention him. Right. He's an idiot. 
but the review was kind of funny. He's like, he said something like, uh, yeah, where have the bruises been hiding this power all these years? This is the first <laughs> record that has, you know, this, this power behind it. He wasn't wrong. Right, right. That was the first record that we had, uh, Rick on guitar. Yeah. And, um, and Todd on bass. Yeah. Not that I don't think Todd's bass work changed anything, but Rick's Rick brought Rick to the band. Playing, yeah. yeah, Rick brought this and, and at first, or not even at first, but probably his entire time in the band, he and I fought over the fact that I'd be writing these changes right. and whenever possible he would palm mute. Yeah. And I'd be like, Rick, chug it, chug it, chug it, chug it, chug it, chug it. I look at him, it's like, Rick, we're not playing Ride the Fucking Lightning, pal. You know? Yeah. But in the, the irony was that in it's not ironic, but whatever. In in hindsight, it was perfect. Yeah, yeah. Because here I was playing these like open major chords, yeah. you know, G, C, D, blah, yeah. blah, blah, F. And Rick's holding down that rhythm yeah. with the palm muting. And yeah. the genius of it was that the two counterpoints worked. Yeah. If we were both trying to be Malcolm instead of Angus, right. yeah, you know, yeah. it wouldn't work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and no, uh, I give him so much credit in hindsight that I that I didn't get at the time. We we uh, he, he brought something really that was necessary. Yeah, no, and that no. was that was that power that that came in that record. Yeah, yeah, and he, he was a good dude. He was a, a teddy bear. I thought. Oh, for best. sure, definitely. Um, so the and the, the bruisers uh, were so we sort of talked a little about this with just you know we were in the both in the hardcore scene, and we were you know skinheads dressed that way and you know if we were going to label ourselves and that was sort of a, a scene and it got to a point where at least for me years later I just got sick of having to explain to people e- even like as I get older now like I, I have you know I fucking tattoos and you know I'm like you know I'm dating a, a younger woman years later years ago and she's like so see God United, bless you. Yeah. <laughs> so see United States skinheads on your chest. <laughs> like it's small, but you know, I'm like, yeah, she's like, what, what's that all about? You know, like yeah. most people think it's, you know, you know, you know, Nazi. So it got to a point where having to explain like the difference and this was, was just kind of tiring and um and that, you know, you guys obviously weren't that <laughs> that part of but we we were talking before we hit record that uh, there was a book that came on American hardcore. Oh, yeah. It, it talked about the bruisers, and it mentions, I think it said that, you know, a, a white power band, the bruisers, and which I thought was pretty yep. irresponsible and ridiculous. And at the time, there was very I don't little, know. like, media about hardcore. So it was cool to f- get this book, like, wow, a, a book on hardcore, and this is, like, the only one. And then there was there was a few things, but that one stood out to me that, you know, this is kind of shitty i think we were all excited when that book came out because it was like oh crap someone's writing a book about us yeah 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 and um i don't remember what year that was but right. whatever uh, whatever year it was i know al was already with the drop kicks because we were done yeah. uh and i got a call from him one night about this someone had turned him onto it right i hadn't picked the book up yet but i was aware of it right so i went down to new comics i grabbed a copy it was the the first printing, yeah. and sure enough, I saw what you saw: New Hampshire punk or New Hampshire skinhead white power band, or something right. like that, to that yeah. effect. So, in my own way, I went back to my place and I typed up a letter. Yeah. Found him, sent him a letter. Actually, actually, I think email might have 
might have been a thing yeah, at that, that point. point. I might have sent yeah. him an email. Right. And so I sent him an email saying, uh, for all intents and purposes, um, you didn't do your homework. It's shoddy journalism, if right. I can even use that term. Right. Uh, some of us have careers in music still, Al. Yeah, yeah. Some of us have children, me. Al might have been a father at that point. I think he probably was at that point, but young kids. But the whole point being, this is, this is not a, this is not just a slight, you know, if if you're, if you're, uh, if you're in the band, Blake 182, when someone says, ah, dude, you're wearing, you know, sneakers that are made by uh, child labor, you know, that's bullshit. Right. Okay, you could probably get past that and just laugh your way up. Right. But if you're in a band that had to deal with, I mean, you go back, put it in context, you know. Yeah. Look at look, when Pete Morsey sings, Here We Are in 1989, when being a skinhead's like committing a crime. Yeah. He's not kidding. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, those, were the, those were the Geraldo chair in the face. Yeah. yeah. yeah that was you know, error, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. And, and for us to be in print in what we were really looking forward to as like, wow, someone made a, a book about hardcore. Holy right. shit. Yeah. This is a big deal. Like I'm going to, I'm going to buy, this is going to be when I'm an old man, gray, like I am today, it's right. going to be on my bookcase right. and I'll refer to it. Yeah. Well, there I am in black and white as a, as a, as a fucking white power skinhead. Right. Um, so anyway, I wrote an email to him as publisher mm-hmm. and I said all those things that I mentioned. And I said, uh, I probably threatened him to right. something about, you know, you'll be hearing from, uh, you know, Vinnie Boombots, my, my attorney, if you don't cut the crap. Right. And sure enough, he did respond. Yeah. Um, and his response was, was really inadequate, but right. he said, okay, fine. I'll delete you from the next pressing. Oh, uh, and he did. So he deleted it. We weren't mentioned in the following pressings, but if you have a, an original yeah. first pressing, we're still there as yeah. white power band. I think I still, I which the one I have is that is bullshit, but yeah, you know, yeah. it is what it is at this point. Yeah. But yeah, that, that is the kind of thing that stretches into it's yeah, it's in a book forever. So Right. But yeah. um, For, fortunately I think uh very few people bought it. Yeah, um yeah. I mean relatively not, I'm not trying to uh, talk crap about the guy. No, it was right. an important not important, but it was cool to have a book about yeah. our scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. let's say the first pressing was, I don't know, for the sake of argument, five thousand copies, who knows? Yeah. Um so maybe there are five thousand copies out there that say that and yeah. Hopefully, 4,500 of those people don't know who we were and don't right. give a shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The 500 who have heard the band's name, right. maybe 300 think it's true and 200 know better. Right. So I'll never meet those 300 people, yeah. so whatever. Right. And with, so with um, with the Bruisers, you, you guys got pretty popular. And do you remember sort of the first time playing like you know, sort of a, a big show where you're like, wow, this is a, this is actually a thing now. Like we're, you know, I don't know. I mean, like, do you really want to use the word popular? <laughs> Cause yeah. I don't think it's true. I mean, no, I, I, no, I mean, I don't, I mean, you guys weren't selling out stadiums, but I, I, I think you have a, you had a pretty big following and I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think we, we were fortunate to get, and, and I put this on Rick, especially when he went to Boston. Yeah. Um, from New Hampshire and Maine, he went down to Boston and, and started, you know, I think he was, he was doing the, uh, work at the, at the Middle East and whatnot at the rat baby too. Yeah. And, uh, got us 
really good support gigs for important important shows yeah. and that was that was huge yeah yeah you know when, when a- playing those kind of shows yeah so time. when af came to town mm-hmm. we played with them when shiratera yeah. came to town we played with them yeah when bad brains came to town we played with them too yeah. even though it was israel but still israel was good i like oh yeah shows. i remember that um that was a channel show right uh, no, that Maybe. was New Hampshire. Oh, but actually, oh, okay. I, I did go to that show at the channel. Yeah. That, Bad Brains were like an hour and a half late. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We we're all standing around. And to this day, with a, f- a few of my friends, we're always like, it's an inside joke. Like, oh, I'm just going to take my Bad Brains time. Because <laughs> at the time, Mackie was playing drums for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they showed up, and they're an hour and a half late right. you know, for, for whatever reason. Right. And you'd think if you're an hour and a half late and everyone stayed. Yeah that you just kind of get your shit out there and say, thank you very much for hanging around and yeah. here, you know, one, two, three, four. But instead Mackie comes out and starts setting his drums up. And I swear to God, he took five, 10 minutes to tune every fucking drum. <laughs> right. And we're in the crowd. Like this guy's a legend, but right. you know, yeah, my yeah. patience really does have a limit. <laughs> right. You know, it's not right. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. So I think, I think the, probably the first time, that we played a gig when I was like, you know, wow, this is amazing. Uh, hmm, good, good, good question. I mean, we, we did a few. I think yeah. probably the AF shows because yeah. that band was so important. Yeah, and yeah. and they took a shine to us. I mean, Vinny was immediately a, a great friend. Yeah, yeah, like right off the bat. Yeah, no, no time at all. Right oh, in the yeah. door. Yeah, and. I think it wasn't even a few shows that we played together before he had given Rick Iron Chin. Yeah, yeah. And then Rick was like, hey, Vinny gave me this fucking song. Let's do it, you know? That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, definitely the AF shows, probably like Man Ray, uh, even Salisbury Beach. We played Salisbury Beach yeah. with them. It was like 600 kids showed up. That's awesome. It's insane. I think, too, in, in, this, in the hardcore scene then, and I mean, maybe now, I don't, I, I'm not really that into that at this point but um at that era i feel like every band on a bill was was just as important to you know especially if it was local bands because most of the time they were your friends and and, yeah we were lucky enough to have talented friends like the bruisers and the wrecking crew and psycho you know oh hell yeah you know all these bands and some of them never went on to be like headlining bands but they were just as you know psycho was one of those they still out there <laughs> psycho opened every show i ever went to <laughs> exactly and they were awesome every time yeah yeah i saw him like i, I love that band yeah. i mean in fact mike from npd the singer from npd got up and sang pms with him at the channel one oh, time nice. I remember it was hysterical yeah um but yeah i mean those were the times when when you assembled a bill yeah you did it with purpose like you thought okay who's the good First of all, if you're a touring band, let's say AF's coming to town, they don't need help. But if yeah. but if they were thinking of it, they'd say, okay, uh, who's gonna who's gonna sell another an additional fifty tickets? Yeah. They'd say, okay, Wrecking Crew, let's put Wrecking Crew on there. Yeah. Okay, and besides them, who are two up and coming, really good bands that nobody knows that we want to put on a stage with us to to give them credibility, and to give them experience, and that's the way you put a bill together. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know that that's the way it is today. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, I hit shows here and there, but not, I guess, not like traditional hardcore at this point or whatever, you know. And, and I know and, that and still exists out there. I just. Uh, I it probably been, does. Yeah, I haven't been involved in it as much. But. 
But, uh, I mean, at this point, I, I have to mention, um, you know, guys like John Regan and, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and Sean McNally. I mean, those yeah. guys were orchestrating these, yeah. these gigs, you know. Get her. And, uh, Get her, definitely. Do you remember Mark Johnson? from? Uh, he was in that band Executioner, but he was one of the first guys. I don't think so. Yeah, he, he was in that band Executioner, and he, he was booking that Hannum Hall place where the uh, Sam Hain mm-hmm. played, and then... But he he did a bunch of shows where, um, you know, he kind of started mixing metal bands with hardcore bands, and that's sort of when I met Keith Bennett and you know Greg Delaria and, the, and those guys. Yeah, and, yeah. And that era of. Uh, so but I, I remember uh, <clears throat> listening to your your thing with Nor- Kevin Norton, and, and you were talking about how metal and and or at least thrash and yeah. hardcore could coexist. Yeah, yeah. But if you went to the channel to a matinee. Yeah. It was funny, like you'd you'd be at the matinee at the channel, and let's say Suicidal was playing that day, or it could be anybody, pick right. a band, right? Yeah. But the 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 bumper music was always like you know wargasm, <laughs> right? Yeah, for, yeah. You know yeah. stuff like that, and it was yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. And sure. and uh, you know you'd be in the pit, and and you know even at the slapshot shows when you know Choke would be talking about you know if there's some, he wouldn't talk about it. It was right. sort of implied, I suppose, that if somebody wasn't a skinhead, you know, they were a target. Right. I'm not talking shit about him specifically, right, right. but yeah, yeah. Uh, just the general feeling. But yeah. but it wasn't overt, right, and, you, right. and there was definitely a feeling of like, hey, the scene is so small right. that it's cool. And yeah. I mean, like in Swampskit was probably similar where I was at New Report. We had a place called In Street where it was all rocks and yeah. benches, and we hung out, yeah. rip butts, and and you had uh, skinheads, you had punks, you yeah. had hippies, you yeah. had the deadheads. Yeah, that's and it was okay because we we were all just the the, the dumbasses, yeah, and, and yeah. it was cool. Yeah, yeah, I think that's where I I remember going up one weekend and going. I think behind that the the main strip there, sort of yeah. behind there, there was. I mean, it was basically the Harvard Square of yeah. my little town. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It was, a, it was a cool little town to grow up in. Definitely, I think. Um, in that area, I'm kind of you know I wouldn't take take that away. I like because I, I kind of liked that you know we could go into the city and just you know all of a sudden be in this you know crazy hardcore show where people are jumping on your head and kicking people in the yeah. face and and then you know go back to uh, my yeah. It's like I I remember one of the first one of my first trips to the city. I was I was I don't know let's say 14 maybe. Me and my buddy Adrian jumped the train. We went to a, a uh, Bruins Day game, yeah. skip school. Yeah. Uh, got into North Station, started walking around. We were really early, and there was a beer delivery happening somewhere on Causeway Street. Mm-hmm. And the the beer guy on his truck dropped like a six pack or something. Yeah. And there it was. And you know we were fourteen year old kids or whatever. Yeah. And our mission was to find find a buyer, and that was really hard. You know, <laughs> yeah. really tough to find a buyer back then. Yeah. So here here the, these orphan beers were on the on the street. And it's busy. It's Causeway Street, you know, yeah. it's middle of the afternoon. And I'm like, fuck it. I reach down, I grab a beer, put it on my shirt. He does too. Yeah. We go into this restaurant, run into the bathroom and shotgun the beer. <laughs> and, and we're looking at the door, expecting a cop to come busting in with a nightstick. Right. And we realized this is the city. People don't give a shit. Like, even if the cops saw us do that, right. they got more important things to worry about. They got to go <laughs> brace the the Chinese joint down the street for their, right. you know, monthly vig or whatever, you know, they got yeah. more important stuff to do. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And we were lucky enough to live on, uh, 
the, the train. You just take the train right from you know, yeah. Newburyport, yep. went straight into Boston, and same with me and Swamps. Well, we didn't have the no, we didn't have the train back then. The train oh, stopped in Ipswich. Oh. oh, okay. So we had to go. We had to drive to Ipswich and, and oh, uh, right. park there. Oh, okay. Nice. And then did you ever spend time like north, like up in like Portsmouth, and then and there's a lot of did stuff. I ever? Yeah. Good question. Like I said earlier, when I. When Sawtell used to have those parties and I met the murderers guys, I mean, yeah. that's, I, I would never have joined the Bruises if I hadn't been yeah. to that party. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Dover House with, with Larvae, yeah. uh, he calls himself Lenny Mental Lenny. these days. Yeah. Larvae was ground zero. Yeah. You know, the, mur- the murderers, that band was ground zero. So yeah. we, we'd go up to Dover House. Dar- uh, Larvae gave me my first tattoo. Oh, nice. Um, right there in his kitchen, baked the needles in his oven, you yeah. know. All that shit, right. and you know that's where I probably first heard you know the Dead Boys and, right. and all that stuff. Yeah. You you have to hear to not have your head screwed right. too loosely. Yeah. Uh, and that was so important to me, and to this day I love that guy. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. absolutely I love I love the guy. He's yeah. he just got in a big motorcycle accident. He's all right, but he yeah. got fucked up. Uh-huh. Um, but. Uh, you know, they were they like larvae. Those some of those guys played in Gigi's band for a while. Yeah. They went down. They're going to be on Morton Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> they were they uh they went to the hotel the night before the filming, and yeah. I think put the put the you know the the Bible in the toilet and right. might have done some things on it. Yeah, the show was canceled. But <laughs> yeah, yeah right. that that whole crew was was literally uh, integral yeah. to. to to the my musical right. path or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. If I ever say the word journey, you can shoot me. <laughs> or angular guitar. Oh fuck! <laughs> no, you can say angular guitar, but only if you're talking about wire. Right. Yeah. That's exactly. the only band you can use it for. <laughs> I know, right? Literally. Um, so, so the Bruisers, um, you you left them in the mid '90s. Uh, '96, summer of '96. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, they they kind of went on, and then. You've done uh, Death and Taxes. Yeah, and uh, I can connect the dots for you. Yeah, like yeah. when I left, when I left in '96. Yeah. Um, at the time when we, my last record that we did was called Up in Flames. Mm-hmm. It went over like a fart in church. <laughs> and um, so going back to what you said earlier about uh, you know just being tired of the the attitude and the, and you know, having to answer questions about, right. Oh, are you a skinhead? All that yeah, crap. Yeah. I was so over that. I yeah. mean, at the end I was wearing anything I could wear to not look like that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And the, there's a few pictures, not too many, but you know, I got like the Sam black goatee and the, the <laughs> greased back hair yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, fucking engineer boots yeah. and whatever, just anything else. And yeah. I had, I was into this, I was in a straight cat. So I bought a big straight cat guitar and, oh, yeah. Yeah. um, so the other guitar player in that band after Rick passed was was Robert Garso. Yeah. And so Robert quit at the same time I did. And at the time it looked shitty. I yeah. think uh, the guys in the band probably thought it was pre-engineered and it totally wasn't. Right. But um, so Robert had a band called the Hellions yeah. or Skinny Tim and the Hellions maybe at the time. And I think it was probably July that that we both quit. Um, and maybe in August or September, I started coming up just to play because I was going to play. I was still a kid and wanted to play. Right. And um, I had these instrumental tracks that I was doing with my buddy Sully. And I said, hey, let's try out some of these if you want. And we did. And it sounded cool. So we did like an open mic 
in Portsmouth at the press room, yeah. Jim Tierney did an open mic thing, and that became the Cadillac Hitman. We recorded uh, two or th- uh, three records mm-hmm. for the next several years, mm-hmm. almost 10 years, I think. Um, and then after that, was doing another thing called CFE, which I'm not going to spend any time on. But then uh, <laughs> that band turned into Death and Taxes. So yeah. Death and Taxes did a record in like 05. I think Bruce's reunion in 05. Uh, kind of was the, the catalyst for that because at the time I was doing instrumental music and, and I kind of, I remember turning to Mike from death attacks and being like, you know, Hey, as he remembers it, I think he's reminded me, I said something to the effect of, I think I still have a couple of songs that I can write or yeah. something to that. Right. Right. And so I did that. Be, and that was death and taxes. And we did that for, uh, four or five years. Yeah. I also played with at the time with uh, Mark Lynn from Ducky Boys, played yeah. guitar for him, yeah. Yeah. and uh, did a record. It was good. We had yeah. a good time. Great yeah. people. Yeah. yeah. Nice, yeah. nice to be allowed to, you know, as a scene, you're a citizen, be allowed to, to hang out and play shows, and people still show up. You know? Yeah, 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 exactly. And and so speaking of that, you you the Bruisers are playing a couple of shows uh, next month in uh, November. Yep. So how did how did those come about? Uh, well, like I said, when Al broke up the band, he he did a couple of records after I left, yeah. um, and finally took the the Dropkicks gig. Yeah. I think he's been doing them now for twenty something years. It's got to be at yeah. least twenty years. Yeah, yeah. It's a long time. Yeah. And uh, so since then, we did we've done reunions like clockwork every five to seven years. Right. You know, yeah. and the last one was we did a. a Three night thing in 2016, and now um, this is, you know, uh, we're probably wrapping it up. I think this is probably it, and yeah. we're gonna do. It's my first time in in Europe. Yeah. Uh, they they did Europe back in the day a few times when I was in the band, but I couldn't go. I had a yeah. uh, a family back home. I couldn't afford to lose my job to go for a month and, right. and lose money. So yeah, yeah. this will be my first time of playing the Sound of Revolution uh, festival in Eindhoven, oh, uh, cool. November. I don't know. It's the first Saturday in November, yeah. whatever it is. Right. Nice. And then you're playing Boston and Providence. Yeah, but not until not until we prove that we can headline a Saturday night after get this, okay. Get these yeah. bands that we're supposed to headline over. Okay. Um these bands you might have heard of them. Let me right. let me just name check you here. Sure. Band called Youth of Today. You ever oh, heard of yeah. them? Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh Bouncing Souls. Yeah. Uh Last Resort. Oh jeez. I mean, are you shitting me? <laughs> You guys are playing and, over these bands. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm not complaining. Yeah. They, yeah, they well, won't. They, I mean, I think uh, <clears throat> obviously because Al's gone on to do great things with with Dropkicks. Right. There's a demand there, right. and I think there's also an undercurrent of people that uh, that remembered seeing us when they did tour in Europe. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, those are legends to me, and the yeah, fact yeah. that we're on the same bill with them is is is. <laughs> amazing to me so that's going to be amazing so yeah we're doing that then we come back and play boston at at, uh the hell is it i guess they call it royale now oh yeah yeah used to be the roxy right um so we're going to do that uh first weekend in november second week in november and then uh, the next night we're down in providence at fet yeah which is apparently a new place it does holds about nine hundred and fifty thousand kids yeah i think that's literally the day before I come home from, uh, I'm going to California for a week to. Good timing. My dad and friends and yeah, yeah, I know. And I, I live right near uh, Providence now, so that's usually my ah. go-to for shows. But 
Well, I'm sure it'll be. I'm sure there'll be enough cell phone videos on YouTube. You can <laughs> yeah, pretend you were there. Yeah, exactly. So how so how do you guys so with something like this where you guys get together and rehearse out here or or yeah that's that's yeah. The, that's the reason why these don't happen too often. I yeah. mean, I'm living in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I figured it was all over the. The place. rest of the the rest of the guys, Scotty, Scotty um, lives in Mass. Al lives in New Hampshire, but he's rarely home. Uh, Dan lives in New Hampshire. Richie lives in New Hampshire, and the, the, we're kind of using. Uh, we, you know, we've had a lot of members. Richie was the longest serving drum, uh, bass player, but yeah. we also had Johnny Ryu, who's a very important member of the band. So he's yeah. he's coming over to do the the Europe show with us, and then Richie's going to do the U.S. shows. Right. right. So Johnny lives in in friggin' Texas, you know. Right. Yeah. So to get together to practice uh, <laughs> costs a couple grand. Yeah. And um, so those guys are playing every week back home yeah. at Dan's place, yeah. and I'm. Um, playing here in my living room, Madison Square bedroom. Yeah. And uh, I was back there last summer when I was on vacation back there in Maine, and, and we practiced a couple times. It sounded yeah. good. Cool. So, yeah, the week before the show, I'll fly back. Yeah. We'll do, uh, you know, two or three days of, of hitting it hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nice. And uh, do you play music up in uh, where you are now? You, have you do I've done... I I've rec- I have a home studio. I've, I've done uh, some like guest things. I did a guest thing with AF when they did Iron Chin. Yeah, nice. Uh, so I recorded a solo yeah. remotely for them on that record. I did uh, the Johnny Ryu Cowboy record. Yeah. I just did uh, Mark Lynn's new record oh, nice. remotely yeah. for him. Uh, as far as playing out live, I've done a couple of live solo electric gigs yeah. here in Chicago, but not enough to mention. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's... It's not uh, not something I'm really right. working at. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, we can wrap this up. I appreciate uh, you taking the time to blabber about this uh, stuff. I think it's uh, important to you know just document this stuff. I think we all had a cool time and it like. It's yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we could we could make it really boring and yeah, yeah, you know, do like a Joe Rogan podcast <laughs> where he talks to Lenny Clark and they're talking to like inside stories right. of doing coke at a at a fucking club in 1980. Yeah, I just you listen, know, like I actually was literally just listening to that on my way home today. <laughs> <laughs> it was his accent, Lenny Clark. After a while, I'm like, okay, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. But. uh but this but, is you know, I mean, like going to, going to like going to Rocket. I mean, I shit, I could tell stories. I mean, like, I think you were probably the guy that turned me on to, like, the Goo Goo Dolls. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, but I'm talking about not what people think of today. Yeah, like the I, I remember they oh, opened right. for Circle Jerks at the Channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was amazing. Yeah. And um, that was on the Jed record. Yeah. And I think I, I remember showing up at Rocket. It was either you or Al. Yeah. But uh, one of you was like, "Yeah, they got a record out called Hold Me Up." Yeah, yeah, and at the time I was really into the replacements. Yeah. I had found the replacements somewhere in a record bin, and yeah. I got hold me up. I'm like, wow, this guy really, really, really wants to be Paul Westerberg. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for a couple of records, he was. Yeah. Um, but hey, yeah, that, we yeah. could do that all night. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks again for doing this, man. Thank you very much for having yeah. me. This is yeah. this is awesome, and yeah. I you know I love the podcast, and, Thanks, and look man. forward to uh, to hearing some new cool episodes. Thanks, man. <laughs>